From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you've joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Tender Comfort. The text is Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 13. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. A mother's comfort. Ah, this is tenderness itself. How she enters into her child's grief. How she presses him to her bosom and tries to take all his sorrow into her own heart. He can tell her all, and she will sympathize as nobody else can. Of all comforters, the child loves best his mother, and even full-grown men have found it so. Does Jehovah condescend to act the mother's part? This is goodness indeed. We readily perceive how he is a father. But will he be as a mother also? Does not this invite us to holy familiarity? to unreserved confidence, to sacred rest? When God himself becomes the comforter, no anguish can long abide. Let us tell out our trouble, even though sobs and sighs should become our readiest utterance. He will not despise us for our tears. Our mother did not. He will consider our weakness as she did, and he will put away our faults only in a surer, safer way than our mother could do. We will not try to bear our grief alone. That would be unkind to one so gentle and so kind. Let us begin the day with our loving God, and wherefore should we not finish it in the same company, since mothers weary not of their children?
One of the most precious gifts God has given to mankind is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. For those in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws simply because they labored to give God's Word to people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts, entitled, How We Got Our English Bible. This short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it, including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spreading of God's Word. Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got Our English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it. This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns is preaching a message entitled, The Power of the Spirit, part of this extensive series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The text is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Lord Jesus Christ, just prior to his ascension back to heaven, told his disciples, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. As we mentioned yesterday, the focus of this message is upon the Holy Spirit's power for special acts of service, rather than the constant indwelling of the Spirit which belongs to every born-again believer in Christ. As he considers the term power, Dr. Cairns explains the twofold meaning of the word— It means authority to carry out God's work, but it also implies the ability to do that work, an ability that comes from the Holy Spirit alone. Now, Dr. Cairns will continue this message on the power of the Spirit. You look in times of revival, and of course, Acts 2 gives us the greatest revival that the church has ever had. In times of revival, when people get saved, when they come to faith in Christ, 
There are usually periods of deep agony of soul, deep conviction of sin, much mourning over sin. And then there is that coming to Christ, that sight of Christ by faith, and immediately the joy of the Lord fills their heart. You read the history of revival, and you'll find that Acts 2 is enacted again and again and again. Sadly, however, the church is not always in revival. And it's interesting that the power of the Spirit is too often absent or too little seen, both in new converts and older converts. This happened even in the days of the apostles, of course. In Acts chapter 8, you have the picture of the disciples going into Samaria, and they saw God move and save many people, but the Holy Ghost didn't fall upon them. Then in Acts chapter 19, there were people who had been led uh, through the uh, John the Baptist type ministry to look for the Son of God, and yet they hadn't heard the end of the story. There they were believing, but they didn't have the Spirit of God in His fullness upon them. Now, there are theological points there that I'm not about to try to go into this morning. This is not a lecture in theology. But the point stands that there are times when people get genuinely saved and they're regenerated by the Spirit. And yet, for one reason or another, there is not this overwhelming experience of the gift and the power of the Spirit, as there ought to be. There are many possible reasons. One is lack of teaching. I think that's a big problem in our day. There is a lack of the preaching of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Another thing is an incomplete Christian experience. Evangelists and preachers are so busy looking for decisions today, looking for people to come and make a commitment that there is little plowing up of the ground of the heart. There is little application of the law of God. There is little knowledge of the work of conviction. In other words, the Spirit of God is too largely being left out of evangelistic ministry in our day. Then, of course, there are lots of people, usually as a result of that, who are in an incomplete spiritual experience because they lack the assurance of salvation. I was sitting down in my study yesterday or the day before and I had a brainwave I'm going to pass it on to somebody else students were asking me some time ago could you suggest subjects for master's theses well I thought of a great subject and I sat down and I sketched out the contents of a book I would take a long time to write it on the subject of Christian assurance. We have two great extremes in the church today. On the one hand, we have people who are laboring under a lack of assurance. And then we have others who are laboring under the delusion of a presumption. It is interesting that in Puritan times, this came to my mind as I was studying afresh this week uh, some statements of the Westminster Divine Shorter Catechism. 
But in Puritan times, one thing that they fought vigorously against was what they termed the heresy of people basing their assurance on the simple fact that they could look back on what they called a conversion experience. Now there is a conversion experience. Salvation has to have a beginning in a man's life. But the Puritans were quick to go to the Word of God and show that assurance is the fruit of three things. Our justification, our adoption, and our sanctification. And the man who says, I have a conversion experience, but has never had any life or experience of holiness, is basing his hope on a delusion. No man whose life has never known sanctifying grace can ever claim that it has known justifying grace. And so we have these two great extremes, lack of assurance and presumption in the place of assurance. And I tell you, where you have such things as that, you'll have people who are certainly not enjoying the fullness of the Spirit of God. Perhaps for most Christians, the biggest hindrance to being filled with the Spirit and to knowing the gift of the Spirit, revealing Christ in an overwhelming fullness and giving power to do the work of God, is their disobedience to what we were looking at last Lord's Day their disobedience to the command to live under the control of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you that no Christian can live in a half-hearted manner of commitment to Christ and expect the power of God upon his service. No Christian can give himself up uh, to the leadership of this present evil world and then expect to come to prayer meeting or to a preaching service or go out there into the world to speak a word of witness and have the power of the Spirit of God. We are told that we ought to be continually under the control of the Spirit. It's my firm conviction as I read the Word of God that only God's people under the control of the Spirit of God will have these sudden singular spiritual manifestations of power to make them useful in the service of God. Now it is the will of God that every Christian should live full of the Spirit and that God's people should be filled with the Holy Ghost and His power. And so today I want in a very straightforward way just to think with you for a while on the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we were thinking just on the fullness of the Spirit, His own person and influence controlling us. Now, His power infilling us. Let's get to meanings first. You're always told, if you're in theological controversy, define your terms. So we'll start there. The essence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit's power. What is it? Well, I think I've indicated somewhat what it is, but let me give you a very simple statement of what it is. The fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit is the operation of the Holy Ghost to enable His servant so as to use that servant 
to accomplish God's purpose in exalting Christ. The fullness of the power of the Spirit then is the direct dynamic operation of the Holy Ghost upon a human servant enabling him to accomplish these spiritual goals in the work of God. We have read today, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We have read again in Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And verse 33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. Now what does the word power then really mean? Well, even in English, it has uh, uh, basically a dual meaning. And certainly this is reflected in the New Testament. The word power can mean authority. If a policeman comes to you with the power to issue uh, a ticket for speeding or for driving up the wrong way in a one-way street or uh, beating the mayor of the town over the head or something like that, uh, it's not to say that he's a Goliath in strength, it simply means that he has the authority. He has authority. Then the word means ability. Actually means strength. Power in the sense of ability. And you know, the two things are not necessarily synonymous. Now a believer has the right to both. Very often, of course, he doesn't have the experience of both. I told you before of uh, a Ministry of Agriculture official who came visiting in uh, one of the country districts of Northern Ireland. And he was an officious, pompous, bloated little man who was full of his own importance. And he was going to go into a certain field and uh, he was going to do certain things. And the farmer said, you can't do that. And he got out his papers and he said, I have the power. And the farmer, you know, being a Northern Irish countryman, he wasn't too communicative, but uh, he was just being what we would call thram. He don't really understand that word. It's a foreign word. He was being awkward and as ordinary as he could be. He said, you can't do that. Oh, I can do it. There is my authority. What the farmer didn't tell him was, he found out as soon as he got over the gate and made his way across the field that there was a very ornery bull in, the, in that field. And when that black monster started charging across the field, this little bloated ministry man, he came pumping to the gate and he said, Why didn't you tell me? He said, But I did tell you. Tell you you couldn't do it. He had the authority to be in there, but he certainly didn't have the power to stay in there. Two things. Now let's turn to the Scriptures and see in Luke 4 and verse 36. Luke 4 and verse 36. Speaking of Christ, they were all amazed and speak among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out of him. I want you to notice the conjunction of the two things. Christ, when he came full of the Holy Spirit, full of the power of the Spirit, he had authority. 
And then he had ability. You find the same thing in his apostles. We were reading in Acts 4. Well, in the 13th verse, you'll find the apostolic authority. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They had authority. My, they could even silence the learned chief priests because they spoke with authority. But they spoke with more than authority. Because uh, we find that uh, verse 14, they had ability. Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against them. There was the proof they had the ability. Now, I don't want to labor this, but I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4. And at the end of that chapter, verse 18, he says, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If there's one thing that I would love to take from the Word of God and have it emblazoned upon our church today and upon Christianity generally today, it is this statement of the Apostle Paul. If there's one thing that American Christendom needs to learn, it is this truth. We are living in a day when there's so much profession. There is so much speech. And Paul says, I'm coming. And I'm not interested in what they are merely saying. I'm not interested in their profession. I'm looking for the reality of power. The kingdom of God is not just so much hot air. When we get into spiritual matters, we ought not to be dealing in fairy tales. We ought to be dealing in reality. The kingdom of God is in power. Men and women... There is a singular lack of the power of God today. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.faithfpc.org 
fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 